0: Hey there, and welcome back to Talk with Erin Stock. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of kindergarten and then a few kindergarten stats that I thought you might find a little interesting. When I first started doing my research on kindergarten, I thought it was gonna be this easy way of finding out which states actually do require kindergarten and which do not, because as many of you know, there are still some states in the US that do not require kindergarten. And actually, there are a lot of states in the U.S. that do not require kindergarten. The interesting thing that I found, though, is that although kindergarten is not required by the state, school districts in the state are required to offer a half-day or a full-day program. Some of them, not all of them, (laughs) This was quite a confusing process. There was so much information that contradicted each other. There were statistics that I found that were outdated. There wasn't a lot of information that I could find that was very specific about what every state in the U.S. does require for kindergarten. I am going to tell you up front that I want you to take this information about state-to-state statistics with a grain of salt. If you have a child who is starting kindergarten, the best thing that you can do is to contact your local school district. If you have a child who is turning five this year, you need to find out what the cutoff date is for them to begin their kindergarten year. This is something I'm going to talk about here in just a few minutes. I know that not everybody might be interested in the history of kindergarten, but because I am a teacher and because kindergarten is my absolute favorite grade to teach, I myself wanted to find out how kindergarten got started in the United States. After living overseas for a little while, I have learned a little bit more about education in Europe and how other European countries view early childhood education and the emphasis that they put on it. I wouldn't go as far to say that in the U.S. we are lacking in offering programs for early childhood education, but what I would say is that we don't necessarily think about it the same way that European countries do. European countries really do understand that kids need a lot of time to process and explain explore and have things available to them to allow them to develop as individuals. And here in America, I think that a lot of families that have access to those programs are families that can afford them. Just recently, President Biden released his $1.8 trillion American Families Plan, and in that plan, he did state that he would like to provide more early childhood education to underserved Americans. This is something that I can totally support, but this is also something that I kind of find ironic. That we are going to put such an emphasis on early childhood education and providing that for families, but yet kindergarten is not required in the majority of the states in the United States of America. I truly am an advocate for making kindergarten a requirement across the U.S. for many, many, many reasons, but mainly for the fact that kindergarten is now the new first grade. You might not find that somewhere as a statistic, but as a teacher, it is the truth. There are so many requirements that kindergartners have to have these days that it really is the new first grade. And if we're not going to emphasize how important it is for kids to go through kindergarten and to have that time to develop and to form the foundations of learning at such an early age, then why would we put such an emphasis on early childhood programs and having them offered to Americans who can't afford them? We really do need to put more emphasis on kindergarten and how we are going to develop full-day kindergarten programs for every school district across the U.S. And speaking of that, where did kindergarten come from? Kindergarten has actually been around for only 150 years, and I say only because to me, 150 years really does not seem like that long. It was brought here by German immigrants who had adopted the ideas from the educational theorist Friedrich Froebel. Froebel had dreamed of creating a learning environment for younger children for many, many years and opened the first kindergarten in the world in Blankenburg, Germany in 1837. For some, kindergarten was seen as a necessity to instill appropriate behavior in children. But Frodo saw children as inherently good-natured who should be encouraged to learn about the world around them through creative, imaginative, and spontaneous play. He did feel as though the learning day needed to be structured with songs, playing with toys, and also that the children should be taught by women, arguing that early education was an extension of mothering. Well, there's a lot that I could say about that, but I will have to say that before I had children, I did actually always view my students as my kids, but I did not look at it as an extension of motherhood. I did see it as my opportunity to make an impact on early childhood development. I might have to have a conversation with Frobel one day if we ever meet sometime outside of this universe. Kindergarten also began in the U.S. as German language schools. But after teaching for decades and coming across an article about Frobel's work, a teacher by the name of Elizabeth Palmer Peabody opened the very first American English-spoken kindergarten in 1860, four years after she read about Frobel's philosophy. So she came across this article, and she really agreed with a lot of the things that it said, and she opened up her first kindergarten four years after reading the article. Peabody would later hand over her school to her sister while she left to train with Frobel in Europe and to learn more about these infant gardens, as kindergarten was sometimes called. In an age when schools relied heavily on memorization and drill, Peabody encouraged children to bring in their favorite texts to read aloud, taught math using manipulatives, which are things that you can use to manipulate things. We use buttons, we use shapes, we use stickers, we use anything that you can actually move with your hands. She also created spelling and grammar games, engaged children in physical activity, and conversed with them about philosophical questions. These are all things that I found to be truly, truly important aspects of a successful kindergarten environment, and these are things that are not necessarily at the forefront of education now. When Peabody returned to the U.S., she became an advocate for the kindergarten movement. She inspired many women to open their own schools, which empowered them by giving them authority and the ability to have a greater voice in education. The first public school kindergarten opened in the eighteen. 18- 1970s in St. Louis, and by 1880, there were more than 400 kindergartens in 30 states and kindergarten teacher training schools in every major U.S. city. This was something that I found extremely interesting. Back in the day, we're talking 1880, this was a time when women were feeling empowered by opening up their own schools. When I think about schools back in the day, I do envision many of them, most of them being taught and led by women, but I never really thought about how they were opened up by those women. I guess I kind of always had this idea that women were hired by somebody in the town or the city, maybe the mayor or somebody in politics to come and teach the children. I never really considered. Considered the fact that these women had opened them up by themselves and to actually have kindergarten teacher training schools in every major U.S. city was super cool. <laughs> I think actually that this is something that we could do now. I think that there is actually a possibility that colleges could have an option of basically just getting a kindergarten teaching degree. Getting back to a little bit about the history, one thing that I did find interesting too is that when Frobel was opening up his kindergartens in Germany, they were actually frowned upon. Not a lot of people liked them because they were too free thinking. They involved a lot of play, they were not considered very structured. And I think it's kind of comical because it's like what Frobel was trying to do back then is what I envision things needing to go back to today. There's a little bit too much structure in kindergarten. There's not a lot of freedom to teach what I would consider fun things, but things that are developmentally and age appropriate for a kindergartner. There's so many things that kindergartners are required to learn that do become memorization and drill. It's so interesting that Froebel was frowned upon for trying to bring in a lot of the play and a lot of games and learning through that type of process. Even though he wasn't very welcomed in his own country and in other places, he is credited with inspiring the birth of Montessori, Waldorf, and Reggio Emilia schools. His theory obviously highly impacted American culture as far as when children should start school, even though I do think he would be turning in his grave if he were to see what and how the majority of kindergarten students were learning today. So kindergarten has really been around for about 150 years, like I said. I think a lot of people sent their kids to kindergarten because it was a great time for them to be away, for them to start learning for them to get out their energy, for them to be around other kids their own age. This is something that we still consider important today. It is important for five-year-olds to be around other kids of the same age. It's important for them to socialize. It's important for them to develop an emotional maturity. It's important for them to start learning and to build their foundation. But when you look at, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, when you look at the statistics that are out there right now on kindergarten, they are all over the place. I stuck with a government website a 50-state comparison, state K-3 through policies, and it was from the Education Commission of the States, which is ecs.org. There was another place that I found six states don't require schools to provide kindergarten, which was on thinkprogress.org, and they had a lot of other information, not just the six states that don't require schools, but even that information that was on that website kind of contradicted some of the stuff I found on the government site. And yes, I did use the internet for this information simply because there's not a book out there right now that actually states, what the statistics are state-by-state for kindergarten. So I did stick to the internet. So as I mentioned before, I want you to take this information with a grain of salt. I'm just kind of highlighting some of the things that I found and some things that are interesting. But what you really need to do is you need to find out what your district requirement is. All of the information that I got about Peabody and Froebel was actually from a magazine in the Smithsonian Magazine. It was an article by Kate Eschner at smithsonianmag.com and it was called A Little History of American Kindergartens some facts about kindergarten. Five states are listed as not having any kindergarten requirements at all. That means that kids are not required to go to kindergarten. Kids are not required to attend kindergarten. Kids are not required to go to school until they are six or seven years old and they can go straight into first grade. The states that were listed were Alaska, Idaho, Michigan, New Jersey, except for one odd thing that we'll discuss in a moment about New Jersey and New York. Those states have no laws requiring districts to provide any type of kindergarten at all. Only 19 states in Washington, D.C. actually require children to attend kindergarten. And out of those states that require kids to attend kindergarten, about 75% of those do require full-day kindergarten programs. And the definition of full-day varies from state to state. So that can mean anywhere from a couple of hours which we consider half day, but in some places it's considered full day, to just past lunch. They may release an hour prior to the rest of the student population or they may complete a full day alongside their upper grade level peers. Although kindergarten is not required in some states... 46 out of the 50 states do require districts to offer kindergarten programs, but they may have to come up with some of the funding themselves. If they have a half-day program, sometimes there's funding for that. Sometimes the district comes up for it. If it's a full-day program, sometimes districts are able to fully fund that full-day program. Sometimes parents have to pay for the other half of the day. And of course, during a budget crisis or when districts need to cut costs, sometimes full-day kindergarten programs might be the first to hit the chopping block. There are some states recently who have put more of an emphasis on kindergarten and offering full-day programs to more of their population. This site stated that Minnesota, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Washington State are making huge efforts to expand their full-day kindergarten programs. So I will share with you the information that I found regarding which states require kindergarten and which do not. Again, please call your local school district. (laughs) States that do require kindergarten, Arkansas, Connecticut, Delaware, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Maryland, Nevada, New Mexico, Ohio, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Louisiana and Nebraska state that kindergarten is required or a student can take an assessment allowing them to enter first grade just as prepared as the rest of their peers. States where kindergarten is not required, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin. And again, as I said... Some states do not require kindergarten, but they are required to offer a half- or full-day program. New Jersey, I mentioned above, is one of those states that does not say much about kindergarten. However, New Jersey states that kindergarten is not a requirement unless students live in Abbott districts where they are then required to attend full-day programs. And Abbott districts are just something that you can go ahead and look up. States that do not specify kindergarten requirements in statutes or regulations are Iowa, Kansas, and Maine, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and Wyoming. So those are states that don't really state anything about kindergarten. And as far as states who require kindergartners to go through an entrance assessment, there are actually 30 states and Washington, D.C., who require kindergartners to do that. And all but four of those states have requirements in place as to what to do with the assessments, including prohibitions on what they cannot use the data for. For example, most of the states, all but four, have the kids go through some sort of preliminary assessment, and then they use the data for certain things such as student placement, determining special needs, creating diverse classrooms, connecting families to support programs, and so on. So those states who do not require their school districts to use that information for something, they basically just have the kids go through an assessment just to kind of see where they're at academically. And now school readiness was kind of all over too because there's different definitions across the board of how states consider kindergartners to be ready for school. For example, in Delaware, it requires that at least five domains of school readiness be measured within the school readiness assessment, including language and literacy development, cognition and general knowledge, approaches toward learning, physical well-being, and motor development and social-emotional emotional development. So now, how do you know if your kid is actually ready for school? There's not a whole lot that says that every kid is ready for kindergarten or they are not ready for kindergarten. And it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with their age or their maturity. It's a combination of everything. One of the things that does get very frustrating to me is when people ask what the age is that kids have to be and able to go to kindergarten. And when people give an answer of, well, they have to be five by this date, that is specific to the state that they're living in. The date to which which a child has to be five, also differs across the U.S., Some states have dates in September, some have dates in October, some states have dates in August, and there are even a couple of states where kids have to be five by July 31st. And sometimes I don't think parents fully understand what the reasoning is behind that, but it has a lot to do with the maturity of a child and whether or not they are socially, emotionally, and academically prepared for school. Parents do have a choice whether to hold their child back a year and not send them to kindergarten and wait until the next year. Or they can go ahead and move forward with the process if they are five by the date required. Now, this is where difficult decisions have to be made. Personally, I have had students who have started kindergarten who are very young who have exceptional school years. They never had any academic concerns. They were socially and emotionally ready. And I have also had kids who have started kindergarten who are not prepared for kindergarten at all. And that doesn't mean that they were not socially and emotionally prepared. They were not academically prepared. They were just not ready for kindergarten. And one of the reasons why kindergarten is so awesome and so difficult to teach is because it is the only grade in a regular elementary school where teachers are getting such a mix of kids. These dates where kids have to turn five by a certain time of the month are set to give kids time to mature. With the dates being set the way they are, I I could have kids enter my classroom where I had a child who turned five years old on September 1st. Let's say the cutoff date was September 1st. You had to be five by September 1st. But let's say that I have a kid who's turning six on September 2nd because they missed the cutoff date by one day last year. That child has had a whole year to develop and mature outside of school, whereas this other child is now entering school at the exact age of five years old. Exactly one year less than some of their peers. Then you get the kids who are mixed in. You have kids who are turning six in October, November, December, January, February, March, April. But then you also have kids who just turned five in May, June, July, August. And so there's such a mix of ages and levels. And you have so many challenges that you're dealing with. You've had kids who have been in school before. You have had kids who have never been into school before. You've had kids who have been in a regular daycare setting or a school setting, pre-k, or you may have students who come from a family with a stay-at-home parent. You have such a mix of kids and it is amazing, but it is also very difficult at the same time. When you are considering if you should send your child to school or not, consider when their birthday is, consider if they're a boy or a girl. Yes, it does make a difference. Always No, but for the most part, boys are less mature than girls. Now, that's not to say that I have not had some young boys start school who have had no academic issues. That's not to say that I have had older girls who have not had academic issues. So I'm just saying across the board, it sometimes does make a difference between boys and girls. There's things to consider when your child is approaching that deadline. Sometimes we consider older kids to have more leadership characteristics. Always true? No. But sometimes, yes. Please make sure you do call the school district or even look up the state that you're living in or the state you're moving to and find out what the cutoff is for that state because dates range anywhere from turning five by September 1st to September 10th, possibly September 15th. September 30th. Some cutoffs are in August, around the first of the month or the last day of the month, some mid month. Some states even push into October. So kids don't have to turn five until October 1st or even the 15th. And a few states, like I mentioned, their dates are July 31st. And I did find that even Connecticut, now I would have to contact them to make sure that this was legit. But in Connecticut, it states that kids have to be five by January 1st, which is kind of a European calendar. But make sure you do contact your own school district to find out what the date is for them. Did you catch all that? (laughs) I know those were a lot of numbers. I know there was a lot of information and I know that I went through it pretty quickly. I hope that maybe you found something to help guide you in this next big decision for your little one and I hope it was interesting to hear about the background of kindergarten. If you're wondering what I think is necessary for five-year-olds to know before entering kindergarten, have a listen to my podcast on kindergarten readiness.